Welcome to episode 17 of Upshift, the No Direction Network's Essence 20 podcast, where every two weeks we give you an edge on Essence 20. I'm Ryan Costello, one of the designers of the Essence 20 system and an author on the G.I. Joe Transformers My Little Pony role-playing game core rulebooks, as well as others. And I'm Jason Keeley, a former Renegade developer and now Paizo senior developer uh, working on the Pathfinder game. You have a lot of Essence 20 stuff coming out at Gen Con for somebody that is not yes. on the Essence 20 team anymore. I know. Well, you know, you do something and it takes like uh, several months to get printed and go through all the other processes. So Yeah. And also, like, I, I've mentioned just how surprised I am with how much stuff we're putting out at Gen Con, because really, I thought that was about two years worth of stuff that was in the pipeline that was just I like, you know what, too. let's do it all. Let's just do it all right now. Kind of just had a lot and just turn on the hose and get it all out there. And then there's another Renegade Con coming up, uh, which we'll get into in the shout outs. But for now, hmm. we owe somebody a banter segment. Okay. Jim Barnes had contacted us through the No Direction Facebook page months ago, asking me for my opinion on G.I. Joe Classified. Mm-hmm. And we recorded that segment, and that was in an episode yes. that we lost, and then we decided, you know what, we can we can redo that episode, but we don't have it in us to redo the banter. The banter part, yeah. <laughs> the banter's just so much more casual off the cuff. So now it's been several months did not have any banter lined up for this episode, so it's finally time that we get back to Jim's question. And you know what? I actually right. have an even better answer now. Because at oh, the great. time, I was really cherry-picking the line, but uh, I've really gone all in on Jojo Classified. So all right. just first, in case people don't keep up on on you know the latest toy news, uh, about two years ago, Hasbro announced that they were doing Jojo. They were releasing it to stores after a couple-year hiatus, and it was going to have a new form factor, like a new body type. And they were going to take the Marvel Legends form factor, which really has become mm-hmm. kind of the standard size and feel of what action figures are as they are released now. Like, it's basically, unless you are specifically going for something that has a very specific form factor, like He-Man, then odds are it's right. going to have this this form factor. And I, I like Marvel Legends from afar. I own only a couple of them, which, like, Marvel Legends has been going for, like, 20 years. So the fact that I only have a couple almost... It almost feels intentional that I'm not buying more. So I wasn't super <laughs> jazzed about the idea that, okay, well, now G.I. Joe is going to be uh, six inch. And that's really it. Like, I don't really think of right. that as anything more than it is a new size. I've got a lot of Sigma 6, which was eight inch and kind of real, really stylized, really hard angles. Not when I went really big on. And then any other time a new G.I. Joe form factor is announced, I usually give it a couple of years. Uh, I'll buy one or two of my favorite characters and just kind of feel it out. And that's what mm-hmm. I did once again with Classified. The first five figures were the usual suspects for Joes. It was Duke, Roadblock, Snake Eyes, and uh, uh, Scarlet. Actually, two different versions of Snake Eyes. One of them had grayish pants. But otherwise, like, okay. and uh, like a whole uh, weapons rack of martial arts weapons. But otherwise, they were the identical figure. And then the only Cobra character we got was Destro, which was the only surprise <laughs> as far as the first lineup. And they looked fine, and they did like uh, this modernization where they gave them uh, little bits of tech, but overall it was still the color scheme that you would expect from those characters. But there was this weird tendency for most of the tech to be from the knees down. They had really high-tech knee pads, and they had like the front of their boots was high-tech, and then otherwise they might have a thing on the shoulder, a thing on the wrist. So it, it really, like, I didn't 
care for that first wave of figures, except for Scarlet, who I have here, who I think blended it very well. They probably went the furthest from her original color scheme, because mm -hmm. Scarlet's original color scheme is basically like gray arms and uh, legs, and then otherwise a yeah. beige, uh, basically bathing suit, like that. Yeah. So this, it's definitely more, there's a variety of textures to her, there's a variety of layers. Her same colors, but there's a little more emphasis. Uh, yeah, anyway, I liked her. I've heard a lot of people complain about Scarlet specifically, that they liked the rest of the first wave, but they were not a big fan of Scarlet. So I eventually picked her up. And then uh, after a couple of waves, they stopped doing the the, the modernization, and it was more like we we're going to try and stay true to the original looks, but update them with modern sculpting technique and whatnot. Right, okay. And yeah. uh, some of them, I think, have gone a little too close to just a straight-up adaptation. But at the same time, like, here's the Alley Viper, which is probably one of the closest to just recreating the original figure. Mm, yeah. And I love him. He is super cool. <laughs> and they're doing a lot of clever things. Like, anytime the figure had a molded-on weapon like they used to have in the 80s, they now have a weapon that they can remove from the holster. Oh, boy. Yeah. So these they're, they're kitted out with gear, and typically... They can hold the majority of their accessories somewhere on their body. And so this backpack is almost a straight recreation of the other Viper backpack, but that grappling hook mm -hmm. gun is actually removable and can be carried like any other weapon. Oh, cool. Yep. And then the modernization in his case, the inside of his shield now has like a view screen. Right. Which is still, it's, it's yeah. a very 80s style computer view screen. Yeah, it's very much. That's that's like lifted directly from Star Wars. Yeah, exactly. Like. So, yeah, like, um, before I knew it, I just started buying everything. So I've got the Crocmaster. Big fan of Crocmaster oh, as a yeah. character. The fact that they even made him as a figure was a surprise, and they, they nailed it. Cool. Uh, and they're also being extremely clever with how they're making these. So this is barbecue. And uh, other than the head and this piece of armor, he's Destro. He is a Destro repaint, but they managed <laughs> to go... Like, you can kind of see he's got a Cobra... Um, stylization okay. built into his boots and that's really the only oh, giveaway okay. that they share those parts so um, yeah that's that's <laughs> the thing with uh, you know action figures the most expensive thing is making the molds and so when they can reuse yeah. parts uh, which is something that G.I. Joe has been doing every time they do a, a reboot and one of the things they fail on is that they just reuse heads and that is so much of the character <laughs> is in the head that yeah. and even the original line did reuse some heads but now they can put so much more of the personality into the head. And right, yeah. so the fact that they're given every original character an original head, even if like here, here's spirit and he is Duke from, I think he's Duke from the neck down. He might have a, hmm. I think this, uh, he's got uh, a falconing Arm. glove on. Right, so that's yeah, probably yeah. an original hand, an original head. And otherwise it's all, uh, oh, and some original equipment, but otherwise it's the same bolt. Uh, but a good sign that an action figure line is doing well is when they create a character that uh, they really cannot get away with reusing the parts. So here's Serrano. No one else is going to have these <laughs> yeah, ripped yeah. jeans or that half yeah. uh, halter top. Here's another example of a really cool update. So original Serrano just had this red blob of a backpack that had a bump sticking out. Mm. So they've decided that bump was a knife and it actually is painted red uh, as though... No, no, not blood. As though it's been oh. heated up. So the idea is that her backpack oh. is some kind of heater and she can pull it out and give you a really like a, a, a warm blade that probably sounds can, too pleasant 
<laughs> well, she can stab you and then cauterize the wound immediately afterwards. So it's a it's a exactly. Or I guess she can interrogate you with a hot blade, just mm, rubbing against your you skin. Uh, I yeah. I regret that we got to Zorana in the core rulebook before that figure came out because I would have definitely incorporated a fire attack into her uh, weaponry just because only very specific characters we can get away with having energy weapons or element weapons. Yeah, and yeah. so Zorana now Zorana would have been a candidate. Uh, and I guess I'll throw up my. Currently, I think my favorite, it is the Crimson Guard. Ooh, wow, yeah. This is one of my favorite army builders from the original line. The red absolutely pops. The design is pretty much mm -hmm. a perfect recreation of what was in my head that these guys looked like. But if you do them side by right, side, right. you really realize just how much more detail they can get out at this sculpt style. So, uh, yeah, I went from... Actually, the reason that I even got into them beyond just a couple of them is that... Uh, distribution was so scarce on these that uh, a lot of the stores weren't even uh, keeping dedicated space for G.I. Joe anymore. And yeah. then one day I was in Toys R Us, which again, we still have those in Canada, and I saw Zartan. <laughs> and I was like, I now have to either buy Zartan right now or accept that I will never own classified Zartan. And so he was not a character that I would have uh, generally picked up just, I like Zartan, I like him. More than just fine. I like sure, him quite yeah. a lot, but he wouldn't have made the cut. But because of the scarcity, I picked him up, and then the ball started rolling. Yeah. I started finding the shelf space that I would dedicate to classified. I started figuring out, like, oh, well, I need this theme for this shelf. And so now I've got, like, a checklist of the figures that I need to come out and classified that will go there. So <laughs> I have now pre-purchased figures that don't even exist yet. Oh, Lord, yes, Ryan. I know. <laughs> That's great. I'm going to ask you sort of a, a question about... Uh, the toy stuff in general. Okay. So when you say like they're the same form factor as the Marvel Legends, yeah. they're not you're just like they're not made by the same company, right? They're just sort of no, like that. It's, mean it's all Hasbro. It is made by the same. Company. So well, well, I meant like oh, so well, I meant like maybe the same pro like produced in the same factory. Um, I mean, might be sort of so every line has its own team of designers. So right, okay. Uh, yeah, this is the actually no, this is a more recent one. I got the Iron Spider, Spider-Man. Oh. And so if you look like, maybe it's just because of the two figures I grabbed, I also grabbed a, a Captain Marvel. And they're both yeah. uh, a lot smoother, and so it's a lot more about getting a couple of details to really pop, whereas the Joes have a lot of texture right. built into the, the yeah, design. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I don't, it's not like the people designing Marvel Legends couldn't do that i think it's just right, right they're right. in spandex versus they're in military fatigues so there's a reason yeah, for yeah, the yeah. difference in the design um but I, the best example of uh, i should probably not talk while i'm putting spider-man away so that my microphone picks up an even uh sound uh the best example of uh, how form factor works is he-man because for a while funko was putting out these dc uh, i forget the name of the line but it was like what if the dc superheroes were in uh, He-Man. And so it was He-Man oh. style. Uh, okay. But the thing was, uh, He-Man is a Mattel product. And so they were yeah. clearly ripping off the, the Mattel form factor. But also because Fun uh, Funko is collectibles and not action figures, they got the DC license. But Mattel also had the DC license. So this mm -hmm. one toy line, Funko was ripping Mattel off in two different ways. Oh. I think it was called Primal Age. Let me see if I can... Uh, yeah. So I'm going to put this in Discord for you. Okay. Oh, oh. Yeah. So you look at yeah. that, and that's clearly 
you get exactly yeah, what they're going I for. He Man Batman. Yeah, yeah. He Man Batman. He's got a sword and a shield and everything. Uh-huh. That's interesting. Huh. Yeah, it was a cool line. Uh, I did not pick up any of them. I regret not picking up the Mr. Freeze because he uh, just like a cool, like uh, ice giant Viking yeah. type guy. Clear blue plastic, which I'm always a fan of. Yeah, that's <laughs> fun. Uh, yeah, uh, did you have any more questions about action figures no, in general? No, that was just sort of my, 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 my curiosity about like why they were so, why, why they were so similar. Oh, okay. Uh, yeah, yeah. It, um, you, you so when Toy Biz started producing Marvel Legends, so Toy Biz got the Marvel license in the 90s oh, for a song. Like, there is a whole, yeah. uh, what is it, a, a Comic Wars, I believe is the name of the book, that really goes into the 90s, how there was the, the big boom in comic collectibles, and then suddenly the, the crash, and then Marvel declared bankruptcy. Yeah. And so um, Toy Biz had gotten the Marvel license by basically arguing that it was free advertisement. So instead of paying for the right to use the Marvel characters, they were treating oh, it like wow. they were doing Marvel a favor. Oh, and so, yeah, they got that. And then they made so much money that when Marvel declared bankruptcy, Toy Biz bought Marvel. And um, anyway, so mm. uh, eventually they changed from the, the the five-inch superhero stuff that they were doing in the 90s to, uh, I'm going to say early 2000s. It might have even been late 90s that we got our first Marvel Legend. But yeah, that new six-inch, super articulated, really like capturing a moment from this character in the comics. Right. So not like any particular theme or storyline, just like, hey, here's this Cyclops from this era. Oh, and packed right next to this rogue from this other era 10 years later. Right, right. Uh, yeah, and yeah, yeah, and it really caught on and has been one of the longest lasting toy lines and most successful toy lines of all time. Wow, 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 wow. I yeah. had no idea. I know all this stuff. <laughs> <laughs> That's fair. And at one point, I didn't know if it would ever do me any good, but now I got to ask answer Jim Barnes' question. There you go. You're welcome, Jim. So we're moving on to language in your Essence 20 campaign, which is an outline that I wrote and we sat on for months. Yeah, sure, yeah. Well, um, I think this was the one that we were supposed to do when the ice, uh, the ice storm hits. Oh right! And yeah. then I got sick and like, so yeah, the upshift the output has been down, but now we're back on track. And the reason that I wanted to talk about this is because uh, YouTube channel Dave Thumavore RPG reviews in his review of the T uh, the Transformers RPG. He commented on the oddness of some of the language choices that the threats in the Transformers role-playing game Core Rulebook get. And then somebody in the comments on that video said, Renegade in Essence 20 is obsessed with language. And I do remember the conversations that went into how we were going to handle language going into it. So I just figured this is a fun topic, Uh, particularly because uh, language plays a major role in my life as an Anglophone Quebecer. Sure. Yeah, that makes sense. I mean, language, uh, you know, when it comes to language in an RPG, it, it can tell a story. Yes. It can help tell a story. Right. All right. So history of languages in Essence 20. That's my first talking point here. So why did we even include languages is a legitimate question. If you look at the franchises that up until now Essence 20 has been putting out, they are all more or less monolingual. Um You've got Power Rangers where they're fighting aliens, they are meeting people from around the world and around the galaxy. Everyone speaks English with an American accent. Every now and then they'll meet a non-American accent, and that'll usually be reserved for a very exotic alien character or something. 
Sure. Yeah. Uh, I mean, it, you know, that, that that becomes part of it, and of the of the conceit of the why you make a thing. You make a thing, and you put out. You know, it's the reason why even in Star Trek, right? People do. You're going to have people speaking English essentially because of the Universal translators, right. but like. You got to have that so that people can watch the show. Like it's just sort of the, the the function of the show needs to be watched and not necessarily worry about all the different verisimilitude of languages. Yeah. Well, so at least Star Trek put a lampshade on it, and uh, yes, Transformers did the sim- something similar on the internet. Oh, sorry, on the internet yeah. in the movies where they said they learned English yes. from the internet. Right, right, right. <laughs> yeah, yeah. From the World Wide Web. <laughs> and then, uh, so yeah, so. Transformers, we could have easily got away with no languages. Power Rangers, we could have got away with no languages. G.I. Joe, we could have as well. Although, of the three uh, launch franchises, uh, G.I. Joe is the only one that actually has had storylines involving languages and whatnot. And which makes sense. It is an international fighting force. You know, uh, international relations is part of the fantasy of what's what's going on there. So it actually, it it makes more sense thematically for G.I. Joe. So, between G.I. Joe... Uh, being the one franchise that might need robust language rules and me being someone that really has had a lot of uh, language politics influence my life the whole time, you might think that I'm the reason that Essence 20 is obsessed with languages. (laughs) I actually argued for simple languages. I was saying we don't need, Mm -hmm. we barely even need to acknowledge languages are a thing and we could really just kind of hand wave it and take it really abstract. Uh, and I got I got voted down in that case, and that's so that's why we have a much more granular language system, where it really lists how many char- uh, languages every character gets. An unrealistic yeah. amount of languages, honestly. It's true. It's it's often the case uh, in a lot of role playing games that have languages. You get a lot a lot of languages, um, more than a norm a person would probably normally speak. You know, you know, especially you know the the majority of the audience of of our, our role playing games at any rate. You know, Americans generally only speak the one language and and don't learn another one in the course of their entire life. Um, other other countries are obviously way more lingual uh, than 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 Americans, but um, yeah, that does feel like in RPGs you get like you can have just the character creation. You get a button, and then if you have if you're smart, you get a bunch of different other languages. Yeah, and often Essence Twenty does it. Sorry, go ahead. Essence Twenty does. Okay, Essence Twenty does it a slightly different way. It'll be smart sometimes. It'll be social some other times. You know, other other stats. But if you have a high stat that gives you languages, you end up starting with a bunch of languages. Yeah, and when it goes up, you just learn another language. At no point learn. have you expressed yeah. any interest in this. It's just something that falls into your brain. Indeed, uh, you know, it, campaigns that I've played, people always be like, "Well, now that I've decided to pick up an extra," oh, that was always thing in like, like, like three point five and, and Pathfinder First Edition stuff. It's like whenever you point a point in this one skill, you learn another language. And I was like, "But if that's my skill that I just want to be good at, mm. I don't want to necessarily learn twenty other new languages." And like, it becomes a challenge to even find twenty languages that are mean anything to your campaign. And a lot of times, it, you know, playing in that, it should be like a, a player would be like, "Well, you know." we're sort of near this area. Maybe I picked up that language or someone else in the group has it. And I, you know, off camera, they've been teaching me, right. That, that there's ways to sort of massage the, the story a little bit, but for the most part it is just sort of like, yeah, boom, now you learn a language, whatever. So every now and then when I was picking a character's language, I would see a language that I've never taken for a character and think like, I'll take that this time, but why? And it'll 
put a little bit of influence into my character's backstory, but it'll probably never come up unless we happen to come across those creatures. And I can be like, wait a second, I can speak lizard folk. Let me take the lead here. Uh, Hopefully I built a charismatic character because otherwise (laughs) all I have is a language and no uh, speaking skills. Yeah, this is true. It's true. Um, Yeah, that's something too that you want to, work with your gym uh, on about me like is this gonna like i don't want to if you're spending resources i mean generally there's not too many resources you need to spend to get the language you might be doing it for another reason like upping your stats or whatever but then you might be like hey what's going to be what may or may not be useful um i always uh, like it to the when when a party's like let's all pick a language that's weird that we can speak and that no one else probably in the, the no other npcs will be able to speak so we can have secret conversations in front mm-hmm. of people just very rude but 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 uh, helpful so uh before my oldest daughter learned french when me and my wife wanted to talk about her in yeah. front of her we would speak french because yeah. we were both uh, i'm barely bilingual my french is actually really rough but rough enough mm-hmm. that she understands what i'm trying to get at and my daughter did not um my wife's uh fluently trilingual uh, she's because she's italian and um grew up her dad is straight out of uh, like was born in italy moved to canada picked up some french some english lost some italian literally speaks a language that only about five people can understand because it's such a combination of three languages oh wow yeah okay (laughs) um so uh yeah so that's uh Actually, that that goes into the next talking point, and that is native languages, because my father-in-law came up when we were discussing, so what do we do for a default language? Do we just say English, or do we say a native language, and how many do you get? And I was like, so here's my father-in-law. Born in Italy, moved to Quebec, which is a French uh, predominant area, but a lot of English ended up in his household because of who he married and how his kids grew up. What is his native language? Like, is it default to Italian? Do we say that he's picked up some other things? So that's where the broadness comes into how Essence 20 handles languages. Native languages has a lot of wiggle room. So if it's just part of your backstory that you are something like my father-in-law, where you really have a lot of language influence on you, uh, you can just go with an extra couple of uh, native languages. But then again, every character defaults to like two or three languages based on your smarts. So odds are you'll be able to say one of these is native. Two of these are learned. None of it matters. It's all just, these are languages you have access to. Right. Exactly. Exactly. Now here's where I thought the language section actually got interesting. And that is threats. Every Mm -hmm. threat has a language section and any threat that I design, I put a lot of effort into the language selection and it probably pays no dividends, <laughs> but it makes me happy. And I think it's sure, just, yeah, yeah. it's something that I can point to and say like, this is the work I did. And it generally, uh, most of the threats I've designed have been G.I. Joe threats. So even though this whole topic came up because of the Transformers RPG, I didn't design any Transformers RPG threats or I might've designed the generic ones. But anyway, I did not do uh, any of the named characters, so I don't know what thought process went into those languages. Um, but for the G.I. Joe threats, I basically had the category of, if you are a business-themed villain, here are the top five languages for businesses. If you are... Uh, what were some of the other ones? I don't remember some of my themes. Oh, yeah, science. If you are a science-themed villain, these okay. are the, the conversations people tend to talk to uh, talk within the science community. And then yeah. I went to all the file cards, see any countries that are referenced, 
what are the top three languages in those countries. Sometimes pick the most popular ones, sometimes pick a couple of them. That's why some of the characters have fairly obscure languages, but I think like mm -hmm. Major Blood has a really obscure one. But Major Blood, as a mercenary who calls almost no country home other than having been born in right. Australia, he goes around everywhere. He needs to speak business. He needs to speak in all these different countries that he's been to. Uh, and so, yeah, I would make sure that if it's part of their file card, it becomes part of the language section. And so all of that stuff, um, I feel like it adds a lot more character to the characters and sure. it tells a little bit more about who they are and the journey that they got there. Yeah. Did, did you decide on any kind of like number uh, or upper limit of number or you know, when you're saying languages for, for a threat or you just be like, whatever is appropriate? Uh, I generally tied it to like a lot of it was whatever's appropriate, but then, yeah. And, yeah so I'll, I'll just say whatever's appropriate. I, I think I was right, trying right, to make right. sure I didn't That's put fine. too many languages on any one character, but uh, whenever it became appropriate, whenever I filled the ones that were appropriate for their backstory, uh, that's right. where I left off. And then for troopers, it was really just like a couple of languages appropriate to the region of the mission because I just figured as Cobra was mm -hmm. selecting, it's like, all right, we're going to France. Oh, doesn't Viper Bob speak French? So we should make sure Viper Bob's on the mission. Or or they're recruiting in France to, to get a couple people. Yeah. So those people will obviously speak French. Yeah, no, I mean, I, I, I'm i a fan of, uh, of writing threats that are necessarily specific for like an adventure, just sort of in the back of a book, uh, you know, choral book or whatever, just also being like one thing and that makes sense or two things that make sense. And then like up to say, literally saying like up to three others or up to two others, you know, that, that, that a GM can use like, Oh, appropriately say, Oh, well they, they you're in France. This, but this guy is obviously going to speak French. Leaving some wiggle room. You know, that's, that's what I'm a fan of. Now my favorite Easter egg in all of the, anything that I've worked on is in the language section of the judge role playing game. I, okay. I don't know if you've ever come across it, I don't remember. Do you remember what language the Battle Android Trooper speaks? No, I don't. He speaks Python. He speaks a programming oh. language named after a snake. <laughs> okay, very funny. And I, yes, yes, yes. I, I was about to delete the language section from the Battle Android Troopers because, you know, they're just supposed to be basically drones. They're not supposed to have any kind of language. And then I was like, wait a second. Wait, no, I know what I could put in here. Very good, very good. I uh, I was looking at the uh, sort of like errata for the Power Rangers core rulebook and looking at the threats in the back of that, and then just sort of like going, oh, make sure all the numbers uh, worked a little better, and um, looking at their languages too, because I'm like, oh, okay, so who speak? Can this monster mm. speak? You know, talking about like Chunky Chicken did. So I had to like go and be like, well, now I'm gonna scrub through the episode in which Chucky Chunky Chicken appears and see if he ever actually says anything, and then I can just put English in there and just hey, he speaks, mm. yes. <laughs> so that was like a day <laughs> of of of, uh, of me on YouTube looking at old Power Rangers episodes. I mean, I'm not telling you you shouldn't have watched old Power Rangers episodes, but you could have also just said character name and quotes and just see if anything comes up. Oh, that's fair. Yeah. That's fair. I didn't think about that. It's all right. I just went to this directly to the source. <laughs> uh, how are the the language the language sections of the Power Rangers threats? I mean, they're pretty. I think they're pretty basic. Okay, they're all just like either not there because the monster just goes blah 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 blah, blah <laughs> or it's uh, 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 literally just just English. I mean, you know, maybe some some of the. 
some of the some of the um, more spacefaring threats, or uh, uh, you know, might have gotten some some extra space languages. That makes sense. Yeah. All right, well, also, next bullet point is languages in the settings. So let's talk about yeah, that. Yeah. I talked about how GI Joe has used languages in uh, the in the storylines in the context. So uh, one example I know was in the comics. There's one issue where uh, they had to go undercover on, on a base. It wasn't Cobra. It was, I don't know, some country. I don't remember what it was. Mm-hmm. Um, but even though they got the words right, they got their accent wrong. And that's what gave them away. And so just as the reader, you're reading it. It's got yeah. the like English translation, but in the like uh, arrow or however they just denote that it is yeah, being yeah. spoken in another language. And so you think that everything's going just fine for the mission. And then like, oh, no, they've pulled the guns on the Joes. And they're like, you could never get our accent right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Just are speaking in like, not speaking in the colloquialisms and being very sort of textbook. Yeah. Oh, I know the language and I know that this means this, but that's not how people would say it. Uh, so there's a similar scene in a Quentin Tarantino movie. We'll just call it his Inglorious movie because I don't want to mm-hmm. lose our family-friendly tag. Fair enough. Uh, and I guess I could spoil this. It's it's a scene in the middle of a 10-year-old movie. But yeah, yeah. Um, at one point they were asked to order beers and the American who was pretending to be German did this and apparently they do like yeah, this. I'm, yeah. I'm saying this and this. People aren't watching this. So they did <laughs> index to ring finger to note three, but it should have been middle finger to thumb. Yeah. Uh, yeah, I remember that. I remember that. So yeah, those these little things can sort of you know be sort of good spice uh, to a campaign if 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 needed. So it's it's an okay to have these <laughs> to be obsessed with languages. I think. So there was a, an episode of the cartoon where they uh, a bunch of Joes accidentally traveled back in time to ancient Greece. And they figured out that they were in ancient Greece because Sergeant Slaughter says they're speaking ancient Greek. And Lifeline's like, you speak ancient Greek? And Slaughter (laughs) says, yeah, I learned it in college. What? Surprised I went to college? And so that (laughs) also got referenced in the Sergeant Slaughter book. He has ancient Greek specifically listed as one of his languages. And I also somewhere else mentioned that he did go to college. Just to, to like good, that good, one good, line good. got multiple references in the product, <laughs> which is what happens when you have to do a whole box about one character. Well, sure, 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 sure. And uh, uh, I was just gonna say too, like, like, but it's not like this kind of thing isn't as isn't super load bearing for the system either. So if you're playing, you know, G.I. Joe, Transformers, Power Rangers, or whatever, and don't really want to like have everyone calculate how many languages they have. Just you know, you can handle it. Everyone's speaking the. American accented English, yeah, and you're good to go. Yeah, because even Transformers has a well, it has a language. It has an alphabet, but the alphabet mm-hmm. is just mm-hmm. a recoded American English alphabet, the the Roman alphabet. And right, so, yeah. uh, you know, it has an A analog, a B analog. It's not like a phonetic analogs. Um, no, no, no. It's... So those, uh, if you look in the core rulebook, we actually have some uh, Cybertronian letters in the mm-hmm. uh, the border and whatnot, and they're fun to translate if you have the time and you want to go on the TF wiki. But yeah, so even the setting that has its own alphabet barely uses language. Nobody has barely ever had language, yeah. any... Oh, no, actually, no, I was going to say they never Except had for... any communication problems, but they also had the universal greeting. So the universal greeting, yeah, exactly. And, and sort of like also like the fact that Junkions kind of have this like... They're speaking English, but they're kind of doing it in that sort of way. They speak TV. That was they how they justified TV, it. Exactly, yeah. 
I think that's in a, a, a threat that's either upcoming or has come has come yeah, out. Some, so some junk yeah, so junkyan stuff. Speaking TV, there is a threat I designed that is junkyan, and I won't say what yeah, book yeah. he's in because it does reveal something. But yeah, yeah, I did put in languages speaks TV. In fact, I even uh, made a perk about it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I remember that. I remember that. Yeah. So that's kind of stuff. Is fun. I mean, that kind of stuff is fun. Yeah, you see? Know, the, the universal greeting, that becomes a, the, a, a, a you know a perk that you can have that didn't know the universal greeting and kind of talk to anybody um, for when you have those space adventures for Transformers or, you know, Power Rangers or whatever. Yeah, and Transformers did have the universal greeting ended up as the um, ambassador focus of the field commander. The Bob Weep, Grana Weep, Ninny Bong is right. a, a focus yeah. perk. And it lets you uh, use your persuasion and your social-based skills, even if you don't share a language. It, it's almost just flavor because it is so yeah. easy to overcome that. But it's so much flavor that right. uh, people don't look at that and say, I'll never use this. They look at that and say, like, ah, ba weep, grana weep, ninny bong. Yeah, that's that's fun. Uh, and then finally, My Little Pony, I think, even took out languages because mm, okay. um, really, like, there are animals that only certain ponies can speak to. Mainly Fluttershy can speak to animals and that's like her power, but it's not like every animal has its own language and it's, it's a very minor part of it. It's just, she can do it and no one else can. And that is really, yeah, yeah. again, that abstraction that I was kind of hoping we would get in all the games. I think that's how uh, my little pony ended up doing it. And again, you might that think that I might've been the one that pushed for that, but no, I just wrote my little pony like most other essence 20 games, but uh, with uh fewer extra levels of uh, choices to any option. Mm -hmm. And then uh, it was changed to be a lighter version of Essence 20 overall. And that was one of the things that was changed to be uh, a little bit lighter for ease of play. Okay, great. Cool. Um, it's, you know, <laughs> you never have to like put like on an animal. <laughs> if you have a staff up for animal languages, Bunny. none, obviously it's an animal. Like, yeah, they don't speak bear or whatever. It's just like, you can speak to animals. That becomes a power that, doesn't require you to you have languages as part of the mechanics of the game to make sense, right? Well, of all of the systems, My Little Pony is the one that could have had a robust language system because it does have fantasy creatures. You could have had griffins have their own language yeah, and yeah. everyone have their own language, but you would have had the common problem that you get in other uh, role-playing games like Dungeons and Dragons and Pathfinder where everyone already shares this one language that's not the human language. It's the common language. It's what everybody speaks. Right, yeah. So even if you go out of your way to say, and these other cultures also have their own language and they speak common. So it never comes up. Yeah, 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 yeah. exactly. Well, I do have my final uh, major category, which is using <laughs> languages in your game. We've talked about it a little bit. So um, how would you design a, a challenge, a skill challenge around a language barrier? Um, this it brings back to something that appeared in a Starfinder, uh, thing. One that is a couple times, uh, one of the earlier sort of Starfinder scenarios I wrote was sort of like this language barrier, uh, where you land on a planet where no one else has been around. They speak their own language, obviously. Um, so you've got to be like, you know, use social skills and social cues to be like, no, we're not here to hurt you and that kind of stuff. Um, and then there comes another one uh, that's in the, like, attack, uh, yeah, the attack of the swarm adventure path where you have to do this challenge where you have to go talk to these little tiny blobs that don't speak language. They flash colors at each other nice. and it becomes like, how do you get to, you know, the communication? Because stuff like, you know, in Starfinder, uh, there's stuff about, um, well, one of the gods, for instance, is all about like, 
making communication with new species and and and, and diplomacy and stuff like that so yeah um uh, through yeah just basically sort of like what do you want to do how do you want to do you want to try to build something and depending on the setting and the system or whatever it's like how do you want to make this a challenge it could just be a couple skill checks essentially right and then and then sort of put some flavor on how that's going are you crafting a universal translator are you doing gestures are you are you like picard on the planet with the people who only speak in the in 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 idioms idioms and whatnot yeah um yeah it's all stuff like that on the subject of star trek there's mm. a, a nice scene on next generation where uh, uh not crusher uh troy where troy and picard are just discussing the it's a marvel that any two cultures manage to share languages after all and she just holds yeah. up a cup and says a word. And he's like, cup. And then she just gives him a look. He's like, tea, uh, warm, beverage. Like He just starts guessing of what she's trying to communicate. <laughs> and then she also lists just a bunch of other examples that just that gesture and that word in that moment could have meant. Right. Yeah, yeah. It is interesting. So generally, the way that I've seen language barriers uh, hack tackled in media is uh, there's the slow talking, which... Does not work. Does not work in real life. Does not usually work in the shows. Uh, then usually uh, switching to drawing. And drawing is a lot more powerful mm -hmm. way of communicating. And we do have the performance skill and the culture skill to handle uh, art in different ways you can do that. Uh, I really like in the movie Contact, where uh, the first movie Contact, not the more recent one, the one, the Jodie Foster one, uh, yeah. where aliens communicate with them by sending math equations because math is but universal math is, truth. Yeah. Yeah, 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 yeah. And so in that case, you can use science as a different... Uh... Oh, really? Yeah. And, uh, like, if you're out in the wild, survival. Survival is a skill that you can use for communication in that just, like, I don't know, using a lot of gestures, using a lot of metaphors by communicating through the things that are around you. Yeah, that all works. Uh, use the languages in your game. My next two bullet points are trading secrets, which we already mentioned. Everyone in the party takes a single language. Um, specifically for G.I. Joe, I do think that looking at uh, ASL or other sign languages, mm. the most famous G.I. Joe is the nonverbal snake eyes. And so having an ability to communicate with him not only means that you can now interact with this uh, important character, but it does mean that then when you go out into the wild, you can have that influence that you learned from this, you know, this major player in your organization. Uh, you could show how it has uh, affected you and influenced the yeah. tactics you use. I mean, yeah, that's general great general point that we didn't talk about earlier. Just sort of like um, <laughs> that, um, not all languages are verbal languages. Like you know, you can have uh, signing languages or just knowing written languages. Another one that I couldn't think of, uh, but you know, but more sort of more unique things that don't exactly exist uh, on Earth, but you can sort of have them in your, you know, maybe there is a Cybertronian faction out there that only speaks in flashing lights or colors or something like that. Sure. I mean, animals communicate largely through smell. Smell, exactly. There's the other one. There's yeah, dancing with bees and, and that kind of stuff. Dancing with bees. I like it. Dancing with bees. That's coming soon to ABC. <laughs> I think that's a good place to leave off this communication, this communication about language, this conversation about language. <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah. Again, it's, a, a minor corner of the rules. And yet just because it came up, I, I liked exploring the idea because thought goes into this stuff. The stuff doesn't just happen to show up in a role-playing game, especially some one that was designed by uh, as many people as designed the SN20 system. Things had to be decided on. We had to, uh, you know, just come to a consensus. 
and something as simple as like how does languages work in the game there were conversations about that yeah before we wrap things up, we can go into a little bit of Essence 20 news. We talked about this at the beginning of the show and that there is a summer special edition of Renegade Con. It does not feel like this should be called Renegade Con. I know this comes up a lot, but it's not a convention. It's events. It's these yeah. online Renegade seminars. Uh, and just because you hear Renegade Con doesn't mean you know what to expect. The last one was just one. Just one long seminar where Scott went over a lot of yeah. reveals. The time before that... Multiple days, multiple seminars, a lot of guest speakers. This time, yeah. two seminars. Okay. Ju June 9th at 3 p.m. is another Just Wait seminar, so it'll probably be Scott. And it promises to reveal over 20 new products. Now, this is not Essence 20 products specifically. Uh, in fact, I would wager that the majority of those 20 products are not Essence 20 products. No, but again, who knows what's going to be announced at this point. The Gen Con exactly. reveals really surprised me. So 20 new products will be announced. And then at 4.30, there is the Stream of Darkness. So that is a World of Darkness-specific reveal panel, which means either none of those 20 new products are going to be World of Darkness-related because it has its own stream, or a lot of them are going to be World of Darkness-related, so much so that they then have to have their own seminar afterwards. What I'm saying is I have no idea what these 20 new product reveals are. <laughs> no, me either. Yeah, Renegade just has... It, it, does so much within the gaming it does, space. It does a lot. Yeah, yeah. So yeah, it could be uh, new of the the board uh, game licenses that they've got with Hasbro, new right. original board games, new original role playing games, Essence Twenty role playing games, World of Darkness role playing games, puzzles. It'll prob probably all of those things. Yeah. <laughs> all right, we're about to, ready to wrap things up. So for some shoutouts, uh, the next couple of episodes, I want to alternate breaking down some of those Gen Con products that are coming up because uh, mm -hmm. these are products that uh, for the most part, you and I both worked on. So we can yeah. talk about Sergeant Slaughter. We can talk about field guide. We could talk about Cobra codex. Mm -hmm. um, I think the, uh, the next three hardcovers that came out, those are the ones we both worked on. I worked on my little pony and you didn't, you worked on whatever power ranger stuff is coming out as well as the other transformer stuff that's coming out. So uh, I, I do want to focus on the ones that we worked on together. Yeah, yeah. Just give a different perspective on it. So um, I'll probably post the order somewhere on the No Direction Discord server. And if people have any questions about that specific product, that's a good place to go. And I'll probably also uh, mirror that on the Renegade server where most of the SS20 conversation is going on. Great. So yeah, so people just know Sarge's Ladder conversation, Field Guide conversation, and um, what was the third one that I just said? Cobra Codex. Cobra Codex, yes. It's not that I don't I love Cobra Codex. I'm looking forward to it coming out. Just there's so much. Yeah, there's a lot. There is a lot. All right. And um, I'll also give a shout out to a No Direction uh, Network show that has come back. No Direction Beyond is back. It is our Starfinder News Reviews mm. and Interviews podcast. And not only is the podcast back, but they're back to live recording on our Twitch channel. Our Twitch channel sat dormant for eight months or so, mm -hmm. basically when No Direction went off the air and No Direction Beyond went off the air, both at the same time, because again, the hosts got hired by Paizo. And so uh, they became <laughs> too busy. And those were news shows, which is different from what we do. Uh, right, yeah. You could still talk about Essence 20 stuff because we're not just talking about the things that you are under NDA not to talk about. Exactly. So yeah, No Direction Beyond is back. It's got uh, your co-host, John Godek, is now the producer of No Direction Beyond. And then Alex Agunas and uh, James... Uh, James Ballad 
are back as regular hosts. Uh, no Direction Beyond has gone through a lot of different host changes, and yet Alex mm-hmm. has been consistent all the way through, James has been consistent all the way through, and the yeah. love of Starfinder has been consistent all the way through. That is true. And speaking of Starfinder, I think it came out uh, today, the day we're recording this. I want to talk about, just go out there and say, get Ports of Call. Um, it's the na- latest Starfinder hardcover, uh, and I contributed uh, a, a, a section that I'm very, very proud of. Uh, it is the uh, Ports of Call is a, is a book about sort of like different areas that are sort of opened up by the by new drift travel and, and deep dive into a lot of like places that you can go and have adventures in. Um, and I'm very proud of uh, a little something called Galarian World, which is a planet-sized theme park based on the base. You know what they believe happened in Galarian during all of the Pathfinder. So it's basically a little love letter to Pathfinder inside Starfinder. There was a similar. There was an episode of um, Futurama where they go to yes, Pastorama. Yes, yeah. Uh, did that so play any kind of influence in? Oh, definitely, one hundred percent. Any kind of weird amusement park stuff uh, definitely played into that. Uh, sort of like the itchy and scratchy land mm. episode of Simpsons. Um, I, I like weird doing weird theme park stuff. Sometimes it just uh, it 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 you know tickles me. It's kind of my brand. Um, and it's you know talks about um how the different areas are sort of focused on the, some of the sort of more famous areas of 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 the inner sea region for the most part. Um. And why you know the Shack- Shackles Land is a sort of a water park, pirate themed water oh, park. Nice. There's a uh, Irison Land, which is f- you know frozen north kind of ski ski park essentially, and it, it's a little bit of Westworld in there too because you can kind of like spend the whole week there and go on an adventure outside of the things, even though uh, there are you know baddies, <laughs> there's still monsters out there, um, so it's fun. Uh, I, I I really am proud of it. Are there like the thematically named snacks and gift shops mm-hmm. yeah yes one of the things yes there's you if you get uh, uh, there's all there's a list of things in there i like one of the things i enjoy doing is listing things but like some rides include this that and the other but one of the things that uh, someone reminded me of on that on the forums today was the test of the starstone burger um which is sort of can you eat this massive burger in 30 minutes or less and then you get your name put up on uh, the wall of food gods um <laughs> and picture up there so um fun stuff like that um it's all sort of through a lens of of uh, uh, heightening sort of uh, what existed in glaring you know they're they're named characters there's a you know like obviously a a, a mascot version of tarbifon sort of doing things there's you know roller coasters and food drink drinks and, and all that kind of stuff now i want to get ports of call just to see galarian world just to see <laughs> how they got yeah. this thing that i'm familiar with wrong and where they got it right Wait, and all the ways you brought it's, it in. it's it's all it's all kind of rightish but it's just sort of very exaggerated okay right obviously you know it's i i, I toyed with that when i was writing i toyed with the idea of like getting the names wrong but i thought that would be too confusing right uh, but so it's like you know it's obviously uh, 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 you know you talk about Geb is a ghost king of you know of Gebland and he his his uh, 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 visage appears over in a big hologram at every every midnight or something to sort of threaten everybody and you know stuff like that. Um, it, 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 it there's a lot of good re- Easter egg references and 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 to, to stuff you might know of um, in, in 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 Pathfinder. I don't think many companies could pull something like that off, but I know Paizo absolutely could. I didn't think it was very surprising when I pitched it during a meeting and everyone said, I love it. I'm like, oh, I was mostly joking when I said that, but give it to me. I will write it up. Nice. Yeah. 
Uh, and speaking of Paizo, it's PaizoCon this yes. weekend. As of uh, the day that this releases, is the first day of PaizoCon. Um, yes, it is. Yeah, yeah. Um, and so come, uh, we, it's going to be lots of panels on Twitch, uh, Paizo's Twitch. Uh, there's a Discord where you can go, and a, a lot of Paizo employees have sort of AMA threads that you can go and ask them specific questions. Uh, there'll be a lot more reveals about what's going on, especially with the remaster project. Uh, I will be in a couple cons on Sunday from like three to five, I believe. Uh, mystery, we're going to talk about mysteries and RPGs. And uh, the other one is just ask the GMs. So uh, bring us your general GM questions. General GM questions. General GM questions. General Motors. G G general GM. General Motors. Stop it. I'll stop. <laughs> I, I went down a rabbit hole there. Thank you for joining us for the latest episode of Upshift. If you'd like to find more podcasts like this one and other great gaming content, you can go to nodirectionpodcast.com. If you'd like to support the No Direction Network, you go to patreon.com slash nodirection. Donate whatever you uh, feel comfortable with. It helps us pay for server fees, pay for equipment upgrades. And uh, nobody at the network gets a salary, myself included. Nobody makes money off of what we do. Uh, we just love it. And the money mm -hmm. that our patrons provide for us mean that we don't have to pay as much out of pocket for this hobby of ours. Also, Jason. What? I am thanking Word answer? Burglar for the use of Letter from Snake Eyes. Part four. The debate Part was always four. whether it was version four, volume four, or what have you. <laughs> Apparently it wasn't a V word at all. It was part four. All right. Well, I thought the title had a V in it. That's why you were saying. I thought so too. And here, you no, know what? Let me read you quickly yeah. the email exchange he and I had. So, uh, hi, Sean. My Essence 20 podcast is still going strong with Letters from Snake Eyes version 4 opening and closing every episode. Uh, but it's become something of an unintentional running gag that when I get to that <laughs> part where I plug you in your site, I don't know if the V4 is version 4 or volume 4. I keep meaning to ask you to clarify, and I keep realizing I forgot only when I start the plug. So I'm finally asking, is it version <laughs> or volume? To which he replied, ha ha, all good, Ryan. It's actually part four. I realized I released parts one through three on my album, Welcome to Cobra Island. Each part covers a different era of Snake Eyes' life. Part one is his LL, uh, his long range recon patrol days. Part two is his return home and joining the Arashikage. Part three is his meshing with Scarlet, where he loses his voice and is disfigured. Part four is his early days on the Giajo team. I have part five in the works, as well as a letter from Ooh. Storm Shadow and more coming next year. So that's exciting. Oh, wow. uh, I have long argued that Storm Shadow is one of the most important characters in the G.I. Joe mythology and that anything you know about Snake Eyes, you only know about because of Storm Shadow, like all of the ninja connections. Storm Shadow is a very important character, one of my favorite characters, and I am very excited about Letter from Storm Shadow. Uh, see about switching our theme song when that comes out. Well, why not? I mean, animes do it all the time. So yeah, if you want to find out more about Letter from Snake Eyes Part 4, you can go to wordburglar.com. Until next time, I'm Ryan Costello. And I'm Jason Keel. See you in two weeks uh, for Upshift. And remember that eternal chaos comes with chocolate rain, you guys. Chocolate rain! What? What just happened? That was a, a, a My Little Pony reference. It was? Oh, I, okay. The chocolate milk rain, I guess. Chocolate milk rain, I guess. Okay. Uh, when you said chocolate I'm rain, I'm thinking chocolate up. rain.
Not the chocolate ring guy. <laughs> Although maybe that's a reference.